I'm Craig Ellingson. I'm the sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and in the Edmonton Sun. And we're broadcasting ahead of the NHL draft. It's uh, June 21st. Draft's on Friday, the 24th. Oilers have the number four overall pick. I'm here in studio with uh, the two Oilers writers, uh, Rob Tichkowski. Hi, Rob. Hello. How are you? And Jim Matheson. Howdy. Now, big question is, has been for a long time, what do the Oilers do with this number four pick? Let's say they're, there's the questions of whether they should trade it or keep it. We'll talk about all of those things. Let's start off by talking about, okay, the Oilers aren't going to trade this pick. They're pick number four. They're not probably not going to get one of the coveted big three, including Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine and uh, the other guy. Pooley RV. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so many Finnish names. Um, number four, I mean, all depending on their needs. They need, well, they need a lot of things. But we have Matthew Kachuk and Jean-Luc Dubois as pegged at number four and number five. And following that, we have the fenceman. Um, which way do the Oilers need to go? Oh, it's weird because in previous drafts, the Oilers' needs sort of always matched up with their pick. When they needed to, a cornerstone of a rebuild, Taylor Hall was there. When they needed a, 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 a center, uh, Leon Dreisaitl was there. When they needed somebody to sort of bolster up the middle of their defense, Nurse was there. This is one of the rare times where what they need is not where they're picking. I mean, so it's it's this is the most wide-open draft that I can remember in a long time because picking fourth doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. I mean, you can get a good player there, but, you know, their, their most pressing need right now is a defenseman, so... It's a real coin toss to what they're going to do. If I don't think it, while they like Kachuk and Dubois, they're both forward. They don't need forwards. They need a defenseman. So if they think the best defenseman is uh, this Russian Sergachev, pick him at four. I don't think any of those players is going to play in the NHL next year anyway. And if they can convince themselves that Sergachev can be a number one defenseman down the road, then pick Sergachev. Even though what he's rated behind some forwards take him at four and stick your neck out and say we're taking this guy because we need defensemen a heck of a lot more than we need Matthew Kachuk a left winger or Dubois who's a winger center and uh, make their choice and I I agree with Rob he says this is one of those years where there's no crushing need for any of them and they may fall back and we'll just take the best player available but I still think they need Defenseman more than they need another forward. In this draft, I mean, in past years, you know, including last year, but even the other drafts when they're picking number one, the pressure's on the team to take the number one ranked player, mm-hmm. even if that's not the player maybe they need at the time. We think about the 2012 draft, you know, the draft where Neil Yakupov was taken, and uh, even though he was the number one ranked player, the Oilers could have used a Ryan Murray instead. Mm-hmm. So and now here they are at number four. I guess what I'm suggesting is yes. Does it matter who they take at number four? It yeah. matters less because you're not picking like in the top one or even number two in, in a draft like this one. Yeah, this is where you get into that eternal debate: is do the best player available, or are you drafting for position? And every scout you ever talk to is going to say we're going to take the best player available, which in this case is going to be Kachuk or uh, Dubois. But you know, as Maddie was saying, it's it's not what they need. So. Maybe you trade down and try and, and sort of not, I wouldn't say waste the fourth pick on, on a, on a defenseman who are not as quite the sure thing that the forwards are, 
or you know pick a pick a defenseman at four or pick a forward and then worry about the rest later with via trade you're going to have a lot of forward assets that you could move maybe you can make a trade for a live body there's just a lot of moving parts to this and uh if you're a general manager or one of the Edmonton or the scouts, you really have to be on your toes heading into this because it, it impacts the future of this team uh, in a big way. I don't think you can move back any farther than about eight, though, yeah. to get the Sergachev if you want him. I don't think he's going to fall much past that. So, you know, you got to look at the teams in that bracket of four, five, six, seven, say, okay, where, who can we trade to and make sure we still get this guy? And that's tricky as well. So, you know, I I threw out a flyer that they could trade the four pick for two Carolinas, two first-round draft picks at 13 and 21 and still get a pretty good defenseman at 13 and a forward at 21. But I don't probably wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But at least it would give them an extra first-round draft choice. And the only time in recent memory they had an extra first-round draft choice turned out to be Oscar Clefbaum, and he turned out to be pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and then if you get an extra first round draft choice, you can always package that for something else because you got an extra first round draft choice. Yeah. But Peter Shirelli, I know one thing, Robbie, he's not telling us anything, and I don't know how many people in his inner circle he tells. No. It's a pretty small <laughs> inner circle too. So all these rumors out there of people coming and going. I, from talking to Peter, he doesn't tell you very much no. when you're talking to him. So he's, I don't know who he's telling. Well, it's tough because defensemen, good number one puck moving defensemen, are the most important piece of any team in the, in the league you cannot win without them they're more important than a goalie they're more important than your first line center you have to have that defenseman that's why teams don't want to give it up you hear about you know Tyson Berry and all these guys and GMs are like well hold on a second you know we need this guy so uh you know he's in a he's in a tough spot you know he uh he's got to fill that role because if they go into the season without that position filled you know they're, they're not making the playoffs well he, you could draft one of those players because most teams who do have a number one drafted that so you can maybe draft that and then try to trade for a number two defenseman, mm. you know, and hope that you can patch it through. But you're right. Pittsburgh had a very ordinary defenseman. They had Chris Letang, right. who was a number one defenseman, and they won the Stanley Cup. So um, Chicago, L.A., Chicago, all those teams. L.A., okay. San Jose, yeah. they need one. And pretty much all those teams, though, drafted their their. Yeah. number one defenseman. But they take a little while to mature, though. You're talking three or four years before that, that yeah. guy is. And by that time... You know, Hall. The one year there. the Oilers missed out on the number one pick was Aaron Eckblad, and yeah. he is a stud defenseman, and they didn't get the first pick that year, so yeah. Florida got it. You know, when I think about you know the idea of drafting the best player available, and um, and then you know inconceivably, and then if you don't need that forward, like the Oilers don't need, you have something. You can always it. trade it, right? But you know, over these last bunch of years, and yes, the Oilers have drafted number one overall four of those you know, since 2010 with the Taylor Hall draft. It'd be really hard to trade a number one overall pick. I mean, unless you're getting, you know, whatever you're getting back. But obviously, they haven't been trading anybody who they've been drafting in the first round. No. And assets like, you know, to me, Exhibit A right now is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Well, you know, why don't the owners just deal that guy? Why, is, if it's so easy to get something back, why don't they just deal with a guy who has, you know, what you're getting, mm-hmm. as opposed to one of these 18 year old guys who are, you know, we don't know exactly what they're going to be yet for to address immediate needs i mean so it's it's great to say yeah let's take the best player available but how easy is it really to turn around and say okay we're going to trade this kid now no i think if you're talking about blocks of players coming up together if you're going to draft a forward you're going to keep him so he can grow and mature with with mcdavid and drysidle and then you would be trading some of the guys from previous drafts like you say like a nugent hopkins or an Everly, but 
to some extent, people at Edmonton maybe overvalue those players because if you're going to trade for a guy who's going to grow up to be a, a, a number one or two defenseman, teams are going to want a lot in return for that because it is such a very important position. So maybe the Oilers are trying, and it's they're just not getting a lot of uh, uh, returns on their phone calls. And the other teams know that the Oilers yeah. need a defenseman, and so they're grinding. Peter yeah. Shirelli pretty hard, I'm yeah. sure. So, you know, they've watched the Oilers play for several years and said, you got good forwards, but you don't have a very good defense. So you're, we're going to pay a pretty price to get one of our defensemen, and the only way you're going to get him is if, say, we can't afford that guy or we have cap problems and we'll trade you that player. But um, it's it's difficult. And the players that Peter might be trading, they're not his players. So he's, the, while he's, the the Halls and the Nugent Hopkinses and the Eberleys have been here for some time and they are cornerstone players. They're not the players Peter Shirelli drafted. So you're, it's easier for him to trade them and say, look, I didn't draft these guys. That's another regime and they're good, but um, I'm not hanging my hat on them. He has no emotional attachment to them at all. Whereas the previous, you know, if you draft a guy first overall and suddenly you're trading him four or five years later, you look, you know, it doesn't look good on you. He doesn't have to worry about that. He can trade anybody on that roster except McDavid. Yeah. So what I can't help but think about is, well, you know, I guess maybe the owners should just maybe try to mine the draft like other teams do and find their future players through rounds two and seven. But of course, you know, it hasn't been a, str- uh, a strength of the owners, the draft for the last bunch of years. You know, they're not Detroit when it comes to finding those gems late, late, late in, in the draft or other other teams as well. Um, and I guess I'm, ch- I'm switching gears here. So how about those later rounds? That's just another thing. Most teams are loading up on draft picks. Oh, we yeah. got 10 draft yeah. picks. Yeah. If you're an Oiler fan, you're saying, to heck with the draft picks. We've seen yeah. the way you guys are drafted. We want live bodies. Yeah. We want actual NHL players. And it's nice to say you've got you got two seconds, three-thirds. Uh, well, like this year, the Oilers have three-third-round draft choices. Well, that's good, all said and done. But you better make sure that two of those three turn out, or yeah. what's the point of having them then? And the second round is the one, that's their Achilles. They don't draft too many second-round picks that turn out to be uh, yeah. NHL players. That's that's what's killing this organization for the longest time is they don't have any of those guys that just came out and, and came out of nowhere, so to speak, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders or fourth or second or third, just any, nobody really that, that they've drafted outside the first round that's come in to fill those holes. Like sometimes you stumble into a guy who, who becomes a number two defenseman like other teams have. Uh, you stumble into a guy who's becomes a really solid third line or second line forward. The others just have none of that. Everything they have has been, you know, first round picks or, or you know, free agent signings or, or you have to, you know, make a trade that that hurts you with the player you're giving away. And it's it's not how you build it. Like drafting and development is such an important part. And people, you know, uh, it just hasn't been happening here for the longest time. And if that doesn't change, they're going to be. It's going to be real. It's going to be really tough to to claw their way out of the, the situation they're in now. The only player is Brandon Davidson, and he was a sixth round pick. But that's yeah, that's twenty ten. Twenty ten, and I mean, you know, like I think I did a study the other day from two thousand and six to thirteen. Sixty picks for the Oilers have had rounds two through seven, and there's only three regular NHLers out of those sixty, and only one of them now. Davidson plays on the Oilers, and Petrie plays in Montreal, and Reader plays in in Arizona and Anton Lander and Martin Marinson are on the fence NHL players so it's mm-hmm. not a bumper crop of uh, 
draft picks they've had. Like Rob says, there's no Brad Marchants on the Oilers. There's no Brendan Gallagher's on the Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth and fifth round draft choices that teams are just looking at and going, how do we get this guy at that, at that point? And you know, some of the best defensemen in the league were not first round draft choices like Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? He was a second round. Duncan Keith was a second round pick. So you can get him in this. You don't have to get him in the first round. You can right. get him in the second round. And I think Travis Hamannick was a second round draft choice as well. So you can get him after the first round. Yeah, people have sort of almost given up hope. They look at who the Oilers got first or second, first overall, and then they say after that, like you know, those guys will probably never play. Which is, it's not being negative. It's just being, you know, Honest. taking a ten years <laughs> worth of history. <laughs> And to be fair to the Oilers now, I mean, they did right. change over their scouting departments. I mean, Bob Green's now yeah. man overseeing that, and it's pretty early into his tenure. So obviously we need to give it a little bit of time before we see the fruits of his labors and his staff's labors. But when is that time? Is it immediately? Is it next year? Well, I this think. is the first year with the new regime kind yeah. of since they cleaned house last year. So you have to, I guess you would have to wait a couple of three years just to see how, you know, their second and third and fourth rounders uh, uh evolve but there is you know you have to be watching that a lot more closely now because you know they've come to realize how how important it is i think last year from the scouts you know the word from the scouts their, their draft after the first round last year wasn't too bad seth jones's brother who plays in portland caleb looks like quite a good player they've already signed him ethan bear a fifth round draft choice played in seattle another defenseman they're probably going to sign him he's looked really good too so maybe there's some players there that they've they've, they've hit on um, but like I said, not enough of them. And when you're picking after the first round, the best you should probably pick kids that are going to go to university for four years and then, you know, draft them out of Alberta Junior League or BC Junior League or whatever, and they go to college. And by the time they're 21, 22, they can more readily step into play in the NHL and than junior hockey players. Now we'll move on to the next scenario: trading that number four pick. Is that a feasible thing? Yeah, that's one of those things that can come out of nowhere because who isn't interested in the fourth pick overall? So you're you're looking at teams that you know maybe you know in that six to ten spot who want to move up a little bit. You could be looking at teams from out of left field that just you know have a defenseman that you might be interested in and and are willing to make a, a, as part of a package. So you know you have to have you know if you're Shirelli, you have to just. You know, and, and it is known that that pick is up what he needs and that that pick is is up for sale so i'm sure he's fielding a lot of calls from a lot of gms and a lot of those offers are you know trying to rip him off but in there there's got to be something good you know that uh, or there might be something good that he can take a hard look at and and uh, you know really surprise everyone it's, he has a lot of options more he, options than he had in a long time when you talk about the, like teams seven eight nine ten trading for four it, it's kind of uh, double-edged sword the team moving back to 10 wants to try to get the player still there and the team moving up to four doesn't want to give up a whole lot because they're only moving up six spots yeah. they're not moving up from 20 to four they're moving up from from 10 to four so they'll give you something yeah. but they're not giving you the, yeah. the whole ton either they just want that player that four and you know they'll probably give you one prospect or yeah. something to move up yeah there's not a lot of five spots but they're not giving you you know they're not giving you PK Subban <laughs> say, to move up, to move up spots, yeah. from nine to four. That's but not unless it's a very big deal, including right. which would include Taylor Hall and some other people to move. Yeah, package, package. package. Yeah. And in general, I mean, obviously we have players who have been earmarked as potential trade fodder. Can we expect 
stuff to start happening around the draft? I would expect yes, because everybody's in the same building, and there's tends to be movement, like even now, mm-hmm. heading into Friday. Um, Maddie, uh, you were talking about Neil Yakupov. You say he's for sure going to get traded. What is he worth? Uh, Rob, good, I can ask. I don't too. know. I don't <laughs> know. I don't think. His, I think his value value right now is pretty small, pretty negligible, considering the way he played last season, and um, he kind of mirrors Alexander Daig. You know, when he was the first overall pick, he lasted four and a half years in Ottawa. They traded him to Philadelphia, and he, you know, he had better stats than than Nails had. Um, the, the the troubling thing with Nail is he's not getting any more ice time in his fourth year than when he got in his first year, which, you know, in your first year you're feeling your way into the league, you're still playing fourteen odd minutes, and now he's still playing fourteen minutes a game. So that to me is a trust issue with the coaches that they won't give him any more than 14 minutes a game. Yeah. And if you're a 14-minute-a-game player, you're a third-line player. Yeah, and it's it's you got these these people that say, well, the coach doesn't like him. The co- yeah. Lake has nothing to do with it. The coach wants to win, and if he doesn't think you can help him win, you, you know he's not going to play you. And he's a, he's a great guy. He works really hard. He's got a good attitude. He's got some skills. He likes to play rambunctiously every once in a while, has a great shot, but just doesn't really think the game well. And at, at the NHL level, that's that's first and foremost. So. You know, if you're when you're talking about what would you get for him, I always put myself on the opposite. You know, if I was a GM, what would I trade for him? You know, why would I want Neil Yakupov on my team? You know, and I could I could see you could take a flyer on him that maybe you would put him with a, a, you know, a really good setup man, and he becomes reignited and and turns into a a great finisher. But that's a risk that uh, you know it is a risk. So I, I wouldn't give up a whole bunch to get him. I would give up a little something, but I, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I wouldn't. The, the fact that he's a former first pick overall would not enter into the equation whatsoever. None, and I think what they would be probably trying to tell Peter Shirelli is, okay, I have a failed first-round pick too. <laughs> I'll trade you mine for yours. He plays a different position or he plays a different style, and you give your guy a shot, I'll give my guy a shot. And I agree with Rob. Once you're drafted, I think they just all the ones go into a hat, and, and whether you're the first overall pick or the th- third rounder, four years in, it should just be either you are you an NHL player or are you not, and if you are, how good an NHL player you are. And I think he's got NHL skills, but I think he's a pond hockey player. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you got away with a lot of stuff he, in junior. You, get, I you think, know, he's a talented player, but what's his identity? I don't, I don't know what his identity is. He teases you some games. He looks great, and he and he shoots, and and you know, there's a segment of Edmonton Oilers fans that love him, and they figure he's being done dirt with who he's had to play with and conversely if you're the first overall pick in the draft maybe you're supposed to make other players better yeah, you're, not, spo- you're supposed to carry that line you you're don't, supposed you, to carry a line not yeah. the other way around so yeah. I just think he needs to go to another team he's longing to go to another team you can probably find teams that don't have a lot of scoring on the wing and sure. maybe you've got yeah. a defenseman that hasn't panned out you know slide him to the Oilers maybe yeah team like Carolina doesn't have a lot of scoring on the wing. Maybe they've got a defenseman like Ryan Murphy who used to be an offensive defenseman in junior but can't crack their defense and they say, hey, you want, he's a first round draft choice too. You want Ryan Murray, Murphy for this guy? And uh, and maybe they say, yeah, okay, well, we'll give it a shot. So mm-hmm. that's unless they throw him in a package, I mean, which is understandably so too, or you trade, make one trade and you say, okay, Yakupov's in this deal too. And uh, you take Yakupov and you throw us a draft pick back for him, mm-hmm. second rounder or something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, 
I'm sure it's not any different here than it is in other places, but, you know, once upon a time, the Oilers were a place where quite a few former first-round picks, even first overall picks. I was thinking about Joe Murphy, you know, didn't quite get his career started in Detroit and ended up with Edmonton and started showing some of the promise that he would have had back when he was drafted originally. But, I mean, but maybe that's different. I mean, Yakupov, I think every team knows what they're going to be getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more scouting out there now, and I think certainly anybody who watches the Western Conference and, and is a scout in the Western Conference and is at Rexall Place you know, 20, 25, 20, 25 times a year to watch the Oilers play has seen Yakupov play lots of games. Yeah. And they know exactly what he is, and they're reporting back to their teams. And even if you're a scout from a who watches the Oilers play, but you're a scout for an Eastern-based team, you're thinking, look, I've seen this guy play a lot. Yeah. And we might be nice to get him to the other conference, but let me tell you. So it's very tricky. I mean, you're trading for talent. Yeah. hope the talent – but – First overall picks and first round picks get way more chances than for trades than other players do. If you're a first rounder, there's always another team out there that says, "Oh, it just didn't work out there. Maybe it'll work out where we are." They get traded. Yeah. First rounders get traded two and three and four times usually. Yeah, and and the way hockey's played now, it's a you know a three two game, a two one game. Back in the old days, if it was six five, you could have a guy in your team that would that would make the mistake that that you know you had to fish a, a puck out of your own net. In this day and age, you know, you have a guy who makes a mistake that leads to a goal. You know, it's it's really hard to get that goal back plus another one to, to go back ahead. It's just mistakes are, are – there's a lot less tolerance for them uh, in this day and age because the offense is so hard to come by. You know, maybe when the game changes with the goalie equipment and, you know, the teams emulate the style that Pittsburgh used to, to win a Stanley Cup, maybe things will change a little bit. But right now you can't be a player that – gives up a lot of mistakes uh, or you know gives up a lot in his own end and in return for the offense that Yakupov isn't delivering so you know it's uh, you have to be a two-way player in this day and age or, or it's really tough to find you know uh, work yeah lots of balls in the air for the Oilers and you know like I said got one first pick got her pick early in the second round again where they have, seem to have one every year too yeah. and you're wondering who that pick's going to be and you know Maybe they pick the local kid, Tyler Benson, or maybe they pick a, a goalie. Their cupboard's pretty bare of goalies in their organization, too, so I'm sure they'll pick some goalies in the draft yeah. because they don't have a lot coming other than Brassois. They did sign a college goalie, yeah. Nick Ellis, but they don't have much going there. And they got to they got to sign a goalie this summer, too, Rob. I mean, they got yeah. no backup goalie. I don't think Cam Tablet's playing 80, 82 games. Yeah, so. and Brassois would be better served staying in the minors. I think, I think they might just pick fourth, take Kachuk or Dubois. Yeah. And then, with the surplus of forwards, make a deal, you know, with some existing players for an existing player. Because I, you know, even if you draft a guy, a defenseman right now, it's going to be you know four and a half years before he's ready to to make an impact. And by that time, Hall and Everly and those guys are at the end of those contracts and they're out the door. So I think you know, in terms of just timing and having everybody come up at the same time, you know, you can just trade for a live body and, and uh, let's let's go that way. I don't think the fan at Edmonton will care what defenseman they get in a deal as long as the defenseman's coming back with some promise that he could be a top two defenseman. Yeah. He doesn't even necessarily have to be the number one defenseman, but he has to be a two with some offensive ability and be able to move the puck. And right now that's not there. So Yeah. You know, and I think about what we're just talking about now. You know, and 
the Oilers have been out of the playoffs for 10 seasons now, and looking like they're going to go on for an 11th. We're not talking about trading this number four pick for somebody who can play in the top two or even top four on defense if they're looking for a defenseman. So there's more there's more hope and waiting. I mean, obviously, Connor McDavid's now the centerpiece of this mm-hmm. team. And uh, and maybe that's where it is. I mean, if you do take a defenseman with that pick or somehow you end up with one of those defensemen you're targeting in the draft, well, it's, it's hurry up and wait time. Connor McDavid will be 23 years old when we see perhaps that defenseman you drafted playing mm-hmm. in that sort of a role. So... And they have, I mean, patience is not a problem. Edmonton is going to wait as long as they have to. They, Apparently so. <laughs> they'll gripe and complain. They'll still sell the place out every night, right? So the Oilers don't really have to worry about people not coming to the rink because the rebuild is taking too long. Edmonton's showing up no matter what. So they have that going for them as an organization. I mean, you, they can't be doing what they're doing here in Long Island or, or, or Phoenix or anything. You, can, you can't have 10-year rebuilds in those cities or the team folds or moves. In Edmonton, you sell out every night. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> and Edmonton, you, you sell out every night, so you don't have to really worry about patience. It's built in in the market. It's automatic. And with the new arena, there's a couple of years worth of sellouts right there. So, I mean, if you're right. Maybe they want to just draft a defenseman and have him mature with Clefbaum and Nurse and, and McDavid and, and some of the other players and, and just have a different core group coming up. But that's kind of how they probably will have to do it yeah. because they're not going to be landing Duncan Keith or Shea Weber or somebody like that, P.K. Subban. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. No. So, patience time. They could draft a defenseman. Hope he turns out to be. Yeah. Because that's, that's, like you said, Rob, they're not trading him to you unless he no. makes so much money. Or like a Shea Weber, he's at he's already 30, and he makes a truckload of money, and they say, you know what, he's already 30. If you want him for five years, pay him that kind of money when his career is going to be going, not going to be getting better, great. But, yeah, you may as well draft your own and hope you can keep for 12 years but that's the way i think it has to be anyways like for you know longevity's sake being able to refresh and replenish your your uh your lineup mm-hmm. year after year after year it's not going to be because you went out and traded your number one or your first round draft pick and you landed got that that need i mean yeah that does happen but that's not how it happens for most of your players mm-hmm. i mean it's I mean, I guess it's to me it's somewhat obvious you have to draft well, and obviously yeah. the orders haven't been. I mean, the, well. the orders have. It's pretty easy to look at. The orders have Connor McDavid, so they need one defenseman who's as skilled on the back end, or three quarters of his skill on the back end offensively. Yeah, they need a you know a tougher you know like a nurse Clefbon could fill that role. They also need a winger who can play with Connor McDavid for the next ten years mm-hmm. because it's nice to have the sidekick that you know okay we got two here we'll just plug somebody else in on the other side and we've got somebody that thinks the game the same way as McDavid and yeah. we got the the like Perry and Getzlaff for years in yeah. in Anaheim yeah the worry about those defensemen that are in that 6 to 16 range is there's no guarantee they'll ever be anything right and you're 6 to 16 for a reason so there's also you know you invest you know if you don't I think he has to make a trade for a live body because if, if you just say okay well the guy we got Say they trade down to 10 or 11. The guy they draft at 10 or 11, you know, if you're waiting on him to be your number one or number two defenseman, boy, oh, boy, that's a risky thing that could take four years to find out that you're wrong. You know? Well, you know, and, and they haven't been waiting with their other number one overall picks or their first-round picks. They're all playing. Yeah. They're all in the lineup now. I mean, obviously, the Halls and the Nugents, 
Nugent Hopkins were in on the team right away. And but you know, should Dar- should Darnell Nurse have been playing in the NHL last year if he's mm-hmm. playing with Chicago? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, those guys tend to again come out of nowhere. You know, like yeah. where has this guy been? And he, they arrive and they're ready to go, like right now. So. I don't know, new regime, I'm not sure if they would. Uh, defense is a harder thing to step right into as well as opposed to, you know, a forward on a bad team. So it, it'll be interesting to see. There's just so many moving parts to this and so many options for Shirelli. And there's, he's, he's got to worry about right now because, you know, you want to have a good team in a new arena. You don't want to be 30th again I would, or 31st at some point once Vegas joins the league. But, you know, you want to be good now, but you also want to be good, like you said, in, in three or four years when, when, you know, all your parts are, are mature enough and ready to ready to contend at least for a playoff spot so i don't know it's it's he's, he's got a lot on his plate he does indeed and he tends to make trades that like last year where suddenly he's trading yeah. getting griffin reinhardt and giving up a first round draft choice and a second round draft choice yeah. and you're going what we we knew he was going to try to get cam talbot i mean that wasn't a surprise yeah. but but uh yeah having those picks back right now wouldn't hurt you know <laughs> yeah so that's why there's a lot of teams in this league making a, it's not like you can say oh, well there's only two or three teams he has to worry about there's 30 29 other teams making a phone call so yeah well who all really like number one number two defensemen well that's all I had written down or I did not have written down <laughs> to talk about today not a lot of pauses from you hmm? not a lot of pauses you well just the one just the one okay yeah I'm okay anyway thanks Rob thanks Maddie. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. All right.